Hey everybody, it's featuring Jeff Goldblum. I am Tyler. And I'm Austin. And we are featuring Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, we are. Hey, welcome back everybody. Uh, We have a very, very special guest today. I know we say that every week, but uh, this week we're actually going to interview uh, a Washington Post writer who wrote the book on Jeff Goldblum, quite literally. Uh, He'll be coming up in just a little bit. Before then, I figure we would uh, look into what's going on in the world today. What do you think? Yeah, what's the name of this author? Name of the author today is Travis M. Andrews. Travis M. Andrews. Because he's Jeff Goldblum. All right. That's the name of the book. Yeah, because he's Jeff Goldblum, the movies, memes, and meaning of Hollywood's most enigmatic actor. Love it. Yeah. Great book. We'll get to that in just a bit uh, beforehand. I thought I would just uh, share with you uh, some some news stories. News? I mean, kind of news. New, this is new news. I mean, I have two. I'm going to hold up, you know, like how you hold out your hands and you like choose left or right behind your back for which story you get first. I got a story about crackers and I got a story about an evil dog. Cra- crackers, the evil dog? Uh, two different stories. Oh, crackers and an evil dog. I have a crackers story and an evil dog story. All right, cool. Let's you have a preference? Um, let's start with crackers. I'll start with crackers. Good choice. This story is sort of a private investigation story, all right? So I'm going to take you back. We have a writer on the Jimmy Fallon show. We're talking about crackers, right? Yeah. Okay. Just let me build the scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, here, we'll try again. So we have this writer for the Jimmy Fallon show, uh, Mr. Boggs. Now, Mr. Boggs, he's setting out the cutlery... Uh, the accoutrement for Jimmy Fallon pre-show, right? I don't know why he's doing this. He's the writer. But anyway, <laughs> they have the setup of Triscuits out there. And he starts to think to himself, what the hell is Triscuit called Triscuit? So he grabs a box, right? Immediately assuming, Triscuit, try, three, triple weave? No. Try three ingredients, maybe. Turns it over, nutritional facts. <laughs> way more than three ingredients <laughs> many ingredients you cannot name so now he starts getting confused because if it's not a triple weave and it's not three ingredients it's also not three sided not three sided four sides to that cracker why is it called a trisket now he waits a few days but it keeps bothering him and he can't let it go so he calls Nabisco who makes triscuits and just ask them, point blank. Why do you call it? Triscuits. What's the try? Obviously, it's based off biscuit. You I know? would hope so. <laughs> but why Triscuit instead of biscuit? What's the try for? And uh, Nabisco says uh, they have no idea. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they look into the records. Uh, and here's what Nabisco wrote back, which shook poor Sage Boggs to the core. This is direct quote from Nabisco. No business records survived which specifically explain the origins or inspiration for the name Triscuit. But we do know the name was chosen because it's a fun derivation derivation? I don't know how to say that word. Of the word biscuit. But the try does not mean three. If you haven't done so already, please add our site to your favorites and visit us again soon. So Sage saying, okay, fine, doesn't mean three, but what the fuck do you mean there's no surviving records? Yeah. Did the building blow up? <laughs> was there a huge fire in which all records of Nabisco's Triscuits went out the window? So he's like, no, this, what the fuck happened? And so he goes back, right? Nabisco. So he's literally like opened an investigation on yeah, Triscuits. Oh yeah, he's, this is... <laughs> I mean, what the fuck happened to the building? Why is there no records? And what the fuck does it mean? If not three. So we dig deeper. This is starting to sound like a murder podcast about a Triscuit. (laughs) So we dig deeper. He searches and searches and searches until in 1903, not, he didn't go back to 1903. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's a time travel episode too. No, uh, he finds an advertisement from 1903 uh, with a bunch of electricity all around this biscuit, and it says Triscuit, the electricity biscuit, 
first biscuit cooked with electricity? Try like electricity. Yeah. Interesting they're, part they're. of the word to use, but okay. So Triscuit, the newest and perhaps the best creation of Natural Foods Company of Niagara Falls, New York, makers of the celebrated wheat biscuits, comes out with Triscuits. They can be eaten with cream or fruit, but the very, very special thing about this biscuit is that it is baked by electricity and is the only biscuit on the market baked using electricity from, turns out, Niagara Falls. They're using the power of the falls to create electricity for that town out there, and they started using their ovens on electrical power for the first time in the world in 1903. Interesting. Making Triscuit short for electricity biscuit. Hmm. Yeah. Electricity. Now, still just seems like a weird name. (laughs) Electricity biscuit. I would rather eat an electricity biscuit than a Triscuit. I like electricity biscuit as a name, yeah. It sounds dangerous. But Triscuit, I know, right? It makes you want it more. So Triscuit is, yeah, literally uh, called electricity biscuit because they baked them with electricity in 1903. Still do to this day, supposedly, but now electric ovens are normal. Now, did he go back to Nabisco and be like, by the way? Uh, He tweeted it so the whole world knows. And they also know what fucking idiots Nabisco are. Nice. Because they couldn't even Google their own shit. Good work. Yeah. So that's that's a cracker story. So he's not doing a whole lot of writing, then, if he has that much time to dive into Triscuits. <laughs> I mean, maybe Jimmy Fallon doesn't have that much to say. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Jimmy Fallon put it up on a show. I don't, I don't watch the Jimmy Fallon show. Not because we don't like Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon, if you want us on the show, we're happy to be there. I've never really watched it either. I mean, it's just on too late for me. How, like midnight? I'm assuming. I've never late, seen it. It's late night. It's show, the late yeah. night show, right? The late late night show. Uh, so our second story. This actually, this story came up on NPR, which was hilarious. This is how I found it. But this story, uh, I guess I should get story music for this one. What do you think? Yeah, let's probably get something, something there. Um, this story. Uh, I mean, maybe I should just use that same music, but that just seems like cheating. So let's just go. Let's see what this is. You're a good DJ. Yeah, this won't work for this one at all. <laughs> yeah, this is more of a. I can try anyway. It's more of the game show song. I'll try it anyway. Sure. We're already this deep. Yeah. This story is about Prancer, uh, a quote unquote haunted Victorian child dog from a viral ad. Pr- wh- hold on. Yeah. <clears throat> Prancer, the haunted Victorian child dog. Yeah. Uh, it's a two year old, 13 pound chihuahua. Pretty obese for a chihuahua. 13-pound chihuahua is pretty good, yeah. Uh, Charitably described as a Chucky doll in a dog's body. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, Also quoted as saying, The haunted Victorian child in the body of a small dog that hates men and children. (laughs) Uh, So, supposedly, um, this dog was at a shelter and people were trying to get it rescued and they're trying to write something nice to say about this dog, right? Yeah, like a little bio. Yeah. So someone's just like, hey, so people sounds like my kind of dog. Could like, exactly. So I'm going to read you his bio that got put on the internet. This music just, I'm going to switch it for the bio. Okay, I've tried. I've tried for the last several months to post this dog for adoption and make him sound palatable. The problem is, he's just not. There's not a very big market for neurotic, man-hating, animal-hating, children-hating dogs that look like gremlins. But I have to believe there's someone out there for Prancer. Because I'm tired, and so is my family. Every day, we live in the grips of this demonic chihuahua hellscape he has created in our home. If you own a chihuahua, you probably know what I'm talking about. He's literally the chihuahua meme that describes him as being 50% hate and 50% tremble. If you're intrigued and horrified at how this animal sounds already, just wait. There's more. (laughs) Prancer came to me obese, wearing a cashmere sweater, with a bacon and egg cheese stuffed into his crate with him. Should have known at that moment this dog would be a problem. He was owned by an elderly woman who treated him like a human and never socialized him. Sprinkle in a little genetic predisposition for being nervous, and you've concocted a neurotic mess, a.k.a. Prancer. His first week, he's too terrified to have a personality. As awful as it sounds, it kind of kind of liked him better that way. 
He was quiet and just laid on the couch, didn't bother anyone. I was excited to see him come out of his shell and become a real dog. I'm convinced at this point, he is not a real dog, but more like a vessel for a traumatized Victorian child that now haunts our home. (laughs) Prancer only likes women. Nothing else. He hates men more than women do, which says a lot. If you have a husband, don't bother applying, unless you hate him. Prancer has lived with a man for six months and still has not accepted him. He bonds to women, women, and takes his job of protection very seriously. He offers better protection than capital security. This also <laughs> extends to other animals. Have other dogs, cats, don't apply unless they like being shaken up like a rag doll by a 13-pound rage machine. This may be confusing to people as he currently lives with my other seven dogs and 12 cats. That's because we have somewhat come to an agreement that it's wrong to attack the other animals. But you know that episode of The Office where Michael Scott silently whispers, I'll kill you to Toby? That's Prancer. He just begrudgingly coexists with everyone around him. We also mentioned no kids for Prancer. I think at this point you can imagine why. He's never been in the presence of a child, but I can already imagine the demonic noises and shaking fury that were up from his body if he was. Prancer wants to be your only child. So what are his good traits? Is he loyal beyond belief? Although you tell you a secret, his complex, really just a facade for his fear. If someone tried to kill you, I can guarantee he would run away screeching. As far as companionship, you'll never be alone again. He likes to go for car rides, he's housebroken, he knows a few basic commands. He is quiet and non-destructive when left alone at home, even though we call him Bologna Face. He is kind of cute to look at. He also smiles when he's excited. His ideal home is with a single woman. A mother, a daughter, a lesbian couple. You can't live in an apartment or a condo unless you want him to ankle bite all your neighbors. We already addressed the men and children situation. If you have people over, he would have to be put away. He's like a vacuum. I know finding someone who wants a Chucky doll in a dog's hard body is hard. But we have to try. He was available through the Second Chance Pet Adoption League. So after that riveting <coughs> story where, about Where Prancer, is Prancer? So Prancer was at this adoption league, uh, but NPR picked up this story because thousands upon thousands of people suddenly wanted to meet Prancer. It's demonic hellscape of a dog. And recently, he was adopted. Uh, He was adopted by... Wait for it. Wait for it. Jeff Goldblum. No. (laughs) Only... (laughs) Uh, no, uh, a lady named uh, Ariel Davis, a single lesbian woman, uh, has no men in her life, works in a women's rehab, and don't have other animals. She felt like she was a perfect match. She called. She adopted Prancer. They had an update on Monday saying that adoption was the best thing for Prancer in his life. Wow. That it sounds... I mean, how... I'm curious how NPR came across that. Uh, this article went so viral on Twitter about this hot little mongoose, as they called him. Hot little mongoose. hundreds of thousands of people sent letters and praise hoping Prancer can find a home. Oh my gosh. And he did. That little demon got adopted. I mean, yeah, I'm happy for him, though. Yeah, me too. How old? He's young, too, isn't he? He's two. Yeah. There's a lot of prancing still to be done. Yes, there sure is. <laughs> a lot of hurting of other things. Oh my gosh. Oh, now, it's is he... Where where was Prancer located? Do we know? Uh, yeah, I think it was outside of... Uh, it, I'm going to say no, not offhand. I think he was outside of New York or East Coast somewhere. And this lady is from San Francisco? No, I never said that, I don't think. Oh. Where, where are we getting that? I don't know. I'm just coming up with it? Yeah. Great. <laughs> I like to, you know, kind of tie in my own odds and ends. <laughs> I like that. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, so the lady from San Francisco, Prancer from New York. So it was a big journey for Prancer. I mean, if in fact it was, yeah, I'm pretty positive it's not San Francisco, but sure. Let's yeah. say it's a big, he likes car rides, so. He does like car rides. Going. I wonder how he does it on a plane. Mm. Hmm. Depends on the luggage around him. Uh, it's just great. This is a good... I like that adoption dogs are going viral. That's nice. Yeah. It was a happy ending to a terrifying dog. Yeah. I'm see <clears throat> the sad thing is now I want to meet Prancer. I mean we all kinda do, right? Like I have to 
See, but I mean, you remember Boots. Star Fox, yeah. Yeah, Star Fox. He sounds like kind of a, like, Francis. Yeah, I, like, I feel <laughs> like a lot of Chihuahuas are that way. They're just little yeah. pieces of shit. Yeah, he would, you know, go from his little perch if you heard that front door open, and he was at your ankles with his four teeth in no time. <laughs> yeah, little hell, hell spawn. Beautiful little hell spawn. I wouldn't have had him in any other way, though, you know? Like, when you get used to having a dog like that, it's pure entertainment. Yeah, he bit my nipple off. <laughs> I'm, I'm missing one nipple thanks to Star Fox. <laughs> Let me pet him. Everything was going good. I think he thought it was you. And then he just had this realization like, oh, that's not Austin. And then just latched onto my nipple. <laughs> I stood up, still latched onto my nipple, swinging from my nipple <laughs> like a gigantic nipple ring. And then thump, comes off. Oh, I forgot about blood, that. Blood, blood, blood. Yeah. Oh, he got you good. Yeah, that's why I don't swim without a shirt on anymore. Wasn't he under the covers with you? Yeah, like he was in, in a little blanket. Oh, my gosh. It was on the couch, but yeah, he was in a little blanket. He was all cuddled up. <laughs> That's That was his game, though. He'd be so like, he'd be like, where is this coming from? Like, this dog's being sweet. And then all of a sudden, you all you'd have to do is, like, twitch a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> he would be, like, at your throat. Like, ah! Oh, my God! Oh, man. We, there, maybe there's a little bit of a niche there for finding psychotic dogs' homes. Yeah. You find like the we need more viral second home for psychotic dogs. <laughs> start a Twitter page. Yeah, or that or like a TM TM TM. Yeah, maybe like a like a nonprofit. Yeah, I think we can yeah. set up a nonprofit. I'm gonna work on it right now. In the background, while we get other stuff done, I'm just gonna be buying websites called Second Tiny home for Hellhound dogs. dot yeah. com. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. TinyHellhound dot com. Well, I like I like the um what was the first thing we talked about oh crackers crackers triscuits the electric biscuit yeah didn't know that did you i did not nor did i think that's where it was going at all yeah that mystery music really i thought maybe you know my guess educated educated guest would have been it used to be a triangle right and then they're like that oh no never mind yeah and nabisco fuck you nabisco you don't know a goddamn thing about your own crackers yeah i mean which, to be fair, Nabisco bought it from the previous company. Oh, that's why because they're a company. In so the records, Grand Rapids, the records got lost in Niagara Falls. Maybe yeah, they're maybe at the they, bottom of the falls. Maybe they drowned. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. They killed everyone who worked for the other company and in the falls, and then took the cracker. There's a bigger story there somewhere. Yeah, maybe Prancer got a hold of the records. <laughs> yeah, that's possible. <laughs> that's entirely possible. Uh, uh, yeah. What did you learn? Anything new this week? From that, yeah, that no, I mean, did you learn anything new to add? Oh, <clears throat> new news, uh, from me. Um, hmm. let's see. This week, I learned, hmm, I learned now. There's only things that I learned for myself that wouldn't help anybody else. You learned some things for yourself, well, you know, skills. My hit points are higher. <laughs> what skills did you learn oh, this week? Well, uh, I went on my first salmon fishing excursion. Oh, what were you fishing for before? Um, well, we fished for all kinds of things. Trout. Perch. Halibut. Rockfish. All kinds of fish. <laughs> Anyways, I got horrifically seasick. So what's the difference... With salmon, just where you go to fish for them? It's a lot further away. I mean, where we went was further away, which is what made it hard. I'd never been on <clears throat> a smaller boat. And I'd say we did like, I don't know, 75 miles total. So there we, and back or one way? Uh, there and back total. Okay. But we went like 20 miles north and then like 10 miles into the ocean. And you catch salmon? We caught one. Caught okay. one. You can only have two per person. That's the limit. Oh. And they're kind of like, you, they're tough. They're very tough. Like, they're very hard to, to catch. Or ca okay. To catch, yeah. They're very hard to catch. Because um, of all the regulations and stuff, they don't want people getting too many of them. Uh, but I would, oh my, I'd never been on a small boat that long. <clears throat> so my friend, Matt Gorski, was there. Uh, it was our friend Scott's birthday. And Matt Gorski watched me turn from white to green to hanging over the side of the boat. And I, you know, I took a little nap. I thought I was feeling better. I, so this is what I learned. Okay, it's coming. Yeah, it all just came to me. I thought, I, you know, drank some something. I don't know what I was drinking. Some type of fluid. 
I hope. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I started eating these peanut butter pretzels. Okay. Like, you know, chips and peanut butter pretzels. And I was like, oh, I'm feeling a little better. Like getting something in my system. I'm feeling good. I feel like this is going to help. You know, a little salt in me. Help me get some water. I sat back down. I was feeling okay. <clears throat> we had moved on from salmon fishing to like a rock fishing spot, which felt like you were pulling a bowling ball up 300 feet out of the water. It was a lot of work. And I was not feeling good at the time. Then it hit me like a ton of bricks again. I had to put down a fishing pole. And let me tell you what. What? If you don't feel well, don't eat anything with peanut butter in it. Oh, boy. It is really, really hard to go out the opposite way. I mean, back the way it came. I'm pretty sure it's easy to get out the other way. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, like, projectile vomiting peanut butter, it doesn't projectile vomit. I felt like I was literally, like, pooping out of my mouth. Oh. (laughs) Matt Gorski almost threw up himself trying to watch it. The one thing that was nice about it, though, is when it hit the salt water, it smelled like Skippy. Like, it just everywhere. Did it attract fish? We caught a lot of fish right there after that happened. (laughs) Yeah. So maybe peanut butter pretzels digested and regurgitated. Yeah, I chummed the water with my own peanut butter pretzels. Okay. And I think probably, you know, if I had drank more fluids, it probably wouldn't have been so, like... I literally, it was like cornmeal and peanut butter mixed (laughs) coming out in globs. So I learned that this week. I also learned, hmm, I also learned that when I don't get sleep, I turn into a bit of a crazy person. That sounds right for most people, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't know how real that was, though, until I got like, you know, 10 hours of sleep and three to three or four days just because I've been hanging out with people. Um, And then like last night it hit me and I was like, whoa, I was just talking and I was like, listening to myself talking. I was like, who is this person? (laughs) It's scary. And then, you know, my friend smacked some sense into me. And then you went to sleep? Or Uh, you stayed awake because you got smacked? I think both. Okay. We'll go yeah. with both. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was good. So that's kind of what I learned this week. Uh, <laughs> I'm sort of sorry I asked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you should be. Yeah, it was not a... It was a good week, but yeah, there's some pretty sore events there. Um, well, I mean, that's fine, because we have our guest coming up very shortly. Yeah, I'm really curious to see... Where this guy's inspiration to write this book came from. Yeah, no, it should be really interesting. I mean, uh, for those of you that don't know, a publicist from uh, Penguin and Random House got a hold of us. Uh, They let us know this guy who's a style writer for Washington Post, Travis M. Andrews, uh, literally wrote a full book. I read it. It's quite good. uh, Called Because He's Jeff Goldblum. And he's uh, coming on right after this commercial break to talk to us about his new book coming out next week. So stay tuned. Here comes the commercials. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so Travis M. Andrews. Can well, we call yeah, you just Travis, on. or do you prefer? <laughs> I think Travis is, is the way to go. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it seems, seems <laughs> a lot of things going on there, yeah. M. Andrews, yeah. This, I mean, it's it's good, though, especially for... Uh, so is this your first book now? Because book. Wow, congratulations. First book. Thank you. Because he's Jeff Goldblum. So we got this uh, last week, tore through it. It's incredibly funny. Uh, there's a ton of information I did not know about Jeff, too. And seeing as how we are the Featuring Jeff Goldblum podcast, you'd think we'd be better informed. But, man, you dug deep. <laughs> Certainly tried. What, uh, what what stood out to you? What was, like, the weirdest thing you learned that you didn't know about? Well, about here's Jeff? one thing I learned and actually tried, too, is uh, when I was reading some of your interview stuff, it said that Jeff Goldblum uh, thought milk was bad for you, so he would eat a cereal with orange juice. Yeah. So I, tr- I tried that the other day, um, and honestly, it was not bad. 
I, I haven't gone down the what what cereal did you use? I feel like that's important. Uh, I use like, it's, it's, like Yeah, it wasn't that style. No. Uh it's like adult cereal, you know, it's my girlfriend buys like the it's granola cranberry almond, you know, flax whatever, the the make you poop cereal. Uh, which like I feel like, or something like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> feel like what Goldblum would go for too, you know. I, I would probably do tricks. Oh, for sure. I think tricks would be good with orange juice. But I mean, there's tons of stuff, and I mean, the whole mother thing. I mean, I knew a little bit about the family dynamic, but the mom growing weed, vacuuming naked, the whole like, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff I didn't realize. And then, and then, movie wise too. Like I've I've dug in quite a bit into movies, but. Some of the stuff were some deep dives I'd forgotten about, including Death Wish. I watched his scene, his opening scene you <laughs> mentioned. It, like, so it is, striking? It is so terrifying. Funny. I was like, I had oh no, this God. is not the Jeff Goldblum that I know at all. <laughs> and it was, I mean, it, it was a little shocking. But you sent me down a deep, so my girlfriend would come home every night from her vet tech job over the hill. It takes like an hour, 15 to get home. And I would be watching a different Jeff Goldblum every every night. It's between the lines, the big chill, just going through some of the bigger hits. And then the Death Wish thing I watched alone because I couldn't do it with her. But she was plen- <laughs> plenty tired of Jeff Goldblum by now. But I mean, I, my girlfriend feels the exact same way. I was going to so. say, I mean, some of the stuff I still can't even find a copy of to watch. How did you get a hold of so much? Oh, dude, I have like an entire shelf now of just like $2 DVDs like, on eBay <laughs> of like oh, movies yeah. that have been out of print for 25 years and often with good reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like vibes. We did find that one. Uh, oh man. <laughs> I feel so bad because in the book, I, I, I really, uh, I really give vibes a good, uh, a good beating. And, <laughs> <You do. laughs> and today the, uh, the, Washington Post where I work, they published an excerpt of the book, and like the first comment was like some very nice seeming person who was like, I just saw this great 80s movie with Jeff Goldblum and Cindy Lauper. Oh no! We had a guest on uh a couple of weeks ago who brought up vibes too. She's like, I tried to watch a Jeff Goldblum movie that I didn't know before I came in, and I couldn't get through it. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> It is is potentially the worst movie I've ever seen. Or Hideaway, which is like another Goldblum movie from the same era, like based off of Dean Koontz's book. And like what makes them really bad is the special effects. It's just so they like computers were good enough to have special effects, but not good enough to actually like have them look at all good. So it's just like so distracting the entire time. So I guess I mean we wanna throw a question at you that we've been asked ourselves before, which is first off why Jeff Goldblum? <laughs> so the book came about kind of a weird way. Unlike you guys, I was not a huge Goldblum fan. Uh, oh, I, I, I wasn't either. Okay. So yeah. There we go. Yeah. That was right. <laughs> I, I walked into this podcast knowing very little. Yeah. It was, little. it was all me. I was, I was the Goldblumer of the, of the bunch, but, but go ahead. So not yeah, a Jeff so Goldblum fan. I was at the, the post uh, one day, it was like a Friday and my colleagues and I and the pop culture team, we were just like, we were talking, I think Goldblum, yeah, he had a jazz album. Right? He had announced the first jazz album. The, the Mildred Snitzer thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember saying at some point, like, I like Goldblum. I, I know him from, like, the big movies, but, like, why is this guy still so famous? And, like, all my colleagues were like, because he's Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. <laughs> he's his own enigma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh... My editor, who, you know, likes when I write things, is like, you should write about this. So I was like, okay. <laughs> but grudgingly. And it was, like, super fun and great. So then, like, a few months later, I just, like, kept thinking about it. And then I was talking to this agent. who was like, I think we need a book on Jeff Goldblum. And I was wow. like, well, I've been thinking about this guy. For no and... And it was really fun because I got like the idea was I went to dive in and find out why people love him so much. And, uh, and that's, that turned into a book, which, you know, how long did it take you to compile all the information you needed? I, I want to say like a year, year and a half. Wow. Um, a year and a half of Jeff to, like, turning in the book. Yeah. <laughs> do you, do you find yourself like <laughs> acting like him now a little bit? <laughs> I, I definitely was doing like his speech patterns for a while. So I watched so many like interviews and movies. <laughs> And I started um, talking like uh, this uh, a little bit. You know, like, long pauses. Like, uh, 
Oh my gosh. And you have a significant other who's having to deal with this. <laughs> Not only having to deal with it, her father uh, bought as a surprise a life size cardboard cutout. Oh no. Oh. And, but no one told me. And uh, my, my girlfriend put it in the kitchen. So, like, I, I just come home one day and I turn around and, like, scream because there's cold them in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, the people in my life, I think, never want to hear the, the name Jeff Goldblum again. Yeah. I'll have to buy the book to be nice. Yeah, <laughs> like, you just keep it all in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, do you have, in your book, you mentioned Stevie Nicks quite a few times, too. This is your animal at the house here? Yes, that is the, the puppy of the house. Oh. I'm sure it will make an appearance at some point on this pod because uh, she likes to break out into spontaneous barking. I love oh, that. Good. Yeah, no, that always works out. Austin does that I, a lot, yeah, too. I, I brought a dog I was trying to get adopted on once. My own dog's been on a few times. Yeah, yeah. They pee well, on my rugs. You bark spontaneously. Oh, yeah, no, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, like yeah. It's, it's, it's a little of both. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Depends on my mood of the day. So, I mean, you dove deep past the original Jeff Gold. I mean, we went through filmography in this book. You go, I mean, you go through everything. But at a certain point, uh, we hit on the internet side of Jeff Goldblum as as part of what's keeping him popular. Uh, some of which I had forgotten about, like the Jeff Goldblum watches you poop thing. I had completely <laughs> that had fallen out of my brain until that came. And now there's one at my work in uh, in the men's room. But uh, what's what's your favorite Jeff Goldblum meme at this point? Oh man, I I think that's probably my favorite. Um, <laughs> a funny thing happened after I was writing the book. I ended up at work transitioning from pop culture to internet culture, which like kind of like the way the book is structured is the way my career lately has been. <laughs> <laughs> and I I love that Jeff Goldblum is watching you poop meme because it like says so much more about where memes started and like where they went. So like for anyone who doesn't know, it was this old graphic. It was like a picture of Goldblum from the fly with like the wild hair and the bug eyes. And it just said, Jeff Goldblum is watching you poop. And the idea was people would like print it out. So this is like early meme dumb where it was like getting offline. People would print it out and like, you know, go to the dive bar and put it like in the bathroom. So like <laughs> someone had to take a seat and like be staring in the eyes of Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> and, uh, I, don't know, I think it's like fascinating that uh, that's where memes began. And like people would actually do this. People would print it out and like like record sightings online. I mean, <laughs> thought, you know, whatever, our bar in New Orleans or whatever. Yeah, that's true. This, this you know, 80s sort of icon. It's hard to call him an I He's iconic. But icon seems like a strange word, but he is. He's sort of like the beginning of the the first memes we ever see. Kind of, he's just already a part of that world. Did you hear the breaking news? Uh, yesterday, a fan sent me a thing that Jeff Goldblum is now part of a D&D podcast. It's the least surprising thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> I remember like, I had a writing teacher when I was studying like, uh, fiction writing who was like, an ending of something should be surprising but inevitable. And, like, that to me is, like, exactly what this is. Like, surprising <laughs> at first, they're like, oh, yeah, but of course. Like, yeah, I had no clue how ridiculous that guy was. I mean, just his yeah. whole persona, everything. I was like, oh, the Jurassic Park guy. Cool. <laughs> That's how most people know him, too, is, like, the Jurassic Park guy or the fly guy. Mm-hmm. I rewatched Big Chill this morning, too, and uh, it, it's very good. I liked it. Good, yeah. Jeff Goldblum is not necessarily my favorite character in that movie by any means, but... <laughs> It was a good standout role. Kevin, it was Kevin Klein for sure. Kevin yeah. Costner, who's uh, well, Kevin Costner's in it for, but you don't even see. Him oh, he's, he's the like dead guy. Detail. He's the dead guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Originally, they had filmed him in it. They had like a whole scene with him because it was like a flashback to college, and then they completely Lawrence Kasdan cut him out of the movie entirely. Poor so Costner. All you see is his dead body. <laughs> <laughs> and it's and you don't even see much of his dead body in the movie. Like he really isn't there like he's he was like he might as well not be in the movie because you'd never know it's him it was oh man oh one question i had uh things that maybe didn't make it into the book that you discovered did you dig up any dirt interesting no real dirt you know he whether whether he's just good at hiding dirt or there's none on the one hand, <laughs> yeah. everyone was just like super kind. Like in the book, I talked to an ex fiance of his who had every reason to you know say some some pretty unkind stuff and nothing. And just like everyone seems to love 
working with the guy. Um, can't think of anything didn't make into the book. A story that I probably could have told in greater detail that is in the book, but I, I kept it uh, more PG-13 than, than it could have been, was about uh, a, a baboon on the set of The Fly that yes. uh, became aroused every time it would see the script supervisor. And, uh, <laughs> And it would walk around aroused and then start losing its mind and screaming and being a baboon, I guess. And uh, baboons are, like, pretty dangerous. Like, they're not cuddly. Mm-hmm. They're aggressive, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and like, Goldblum had to calm the baboon. And, uh, <laughs> the the wildly like, aroused baboon. <laughs> 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 Except this aroused baboon. <laughs> it's okay, buddy. It's okay. <laughs> That's basically how the story was told to me. And uh, I, I left out some of the more, you know, lore details there, but I'm sure you can imagine. You're aroused. Of course you are. Of course you are. <laughs> so you you never got Goldblum in the book, which has been a problem for us too. <laughs> oh, it is hard. To t- uh, how close did you get? So that's a good question. I have no idea. Um, okay. It was a really weird experience, actually. I had been talking to his publicist for a while, and the publicist, you know, eventually was like, "We're going to pass, but you know, good luck on your book." And then I want to say like three months later, I got an email from his manager that just said, oh, you're working on a book about Jeff Goldblum. So like, I guess he didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) The publicist was just giving you a super long run around. Let's keep this under the rug. (laughs) So then I talked to the the manager a lot and he was super kind. um, And I guess that's as close as I got. He he passed, but uh, I think, I can't say for sure, but I think he allowed like other people to talk. I spoke to a lot of people who I think probably checked with them. Uh, and, and Before telling personal stories and things? Yeah, that yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Interest. And so do you think after this book, you might hear from him at some point? You know, it's it's the thing I, I, I keep imagining, and it's terrifying because it can go one of two ways, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I hear from him. It's either because he's real happy or real unhappy. <laughs> yeah, an angry Jeff Goldblum would be something... That's- yeah, it's I, been an ongoing joke on this podcast too that if we do manage to get nothing but his legal team, then please sponsor the podcast <laughs> yeah. to help support these. <laughs> no, there's it's going to be a ridiculous <laughs> amount of legal fees to try and do anything about this because I mean we use his likeness, we use his name, we you know we've gone out of our way to uh, bait him to no avail. He's the kind of guy who like it feels it would feel so out of character for him to go. I I agree. Right? Like, it would totally kill the Goldblum we know and love. And the whole reason, I mean, featuring Jeff Goldblum, we're in a band as well. And originally, that was going to be our band name. And our other band names, other than my brother, did not want us to be called featuring Jeff Goldblum. And I'm like, just think about it. On a marquee, it's whatever, like, local band is playing featuring Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. It's hilarious. Like, and they're like, what, you what if it always have to be the opener? So you went second. On the exactly. Yeah. We would yeah. have to be, which I'm fine with. Cause it's just such a funny gimmick. And they're like, what if Jeff Goldblum is mad? What if he sues you? And I'm like, we will be one of the most famous bands out there for getting sued by Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> yeah. And best case scenario, he's a piano player. Like he could come it would be so on brand for him to just featuring randomly Jeff show Goldblum, up. Featuring Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. <laughs> Solid gold. But we settled on podcasting and said, you know, the, the band lives on elsewhere. Let's see. What else? I did write some haikus that I'm going to uh, send to you on your Gmail yes. account. Yes. I actually posted one, too. We do uh, this online zine as well called Unavoidable Disasters. And this May issue coming out will have a uh, The Fly haiku with a picture of him vomiting in his own hands uh, <laughs> that will be featured in unavoidable disasters on your behalf too. And I mentioned you and your book, uh, Thank you. in, in the little, so when, uh, when's the release date? It's May 4th. So Tuesday. Oh, wow. May the wow. 4th Coming be up with you. Yeah. yeah. May the 4th I know, be with it's you. It's so weird. I wish he had done star Wars at some point. I know. This, right. Uh, for marketing. Well, yeah. <laughs> it once again, seems on brand, like if yeah. just some weird side character at some point, that's going to, you know, just like his I, grand grandmaster is that his yeah. Thor thing? Yeah, maybe like the grandmaster can show up in like the Mandalorian or something. Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't seem to always know. Like, did you see when he was interviewed about Spider Man a couple? I want to say it was like six, seven months ago. He like someone asked him if he was upset about. I guess someone got the rights to Spider Man. Marvel lost it or got it. Yeah, a Sony or something, mm-hmm. and. 
he just clearly seemed to have no idea what a Spider-Man was. <laughs> it was amazing. And I was like, he's like, you I mean the think, fly, right? <laughs> yeah. I truly don't think he knows he's like in a Marvel movie or what that means. I think he just kind of showed up. He just walks onto the set. Like, like, this is a cute, this is a nice outfit. Oh I like this. my God. <laughs> I mean, I watched him on hot Wednesday because in the book, you actually do a fake interview with Jeff Goldblum. What seems <laughs> Exactly like what an interview would be, where he more interviews you than you get to interview him. Uh, but we saw on I watched the Hot Ones with Jeff Goldblum, which my friends have either loved or hated, uh, depending on how much people eat the chicken on Hot Ones. You mm-hmm. know the spicy mm-hmm. chicken thing. But his whole his entire interview, we learned very little about Jeff Goldblum in this whole interview, other than he's not eating meat on that episode. He really likes the other guy's hands. And he loves the shit out of his wife. That's about, like, all we get. Everything else, he just, like, bait and switches every single question around to become a question about the questioner instead, which I both adore and find him to be one of the most mysterious. Because I I finished your whole book, and I learned a lot about Jeff. I learned a lot of facts about Jeff's and things, but there's still so much shrouded mystery Mm -hmm. around this man and his... You're, you're definitely on to something. Like, he, I get the feeling he doesn't like to talk about himself. And he's gotten so, so, he's so charismatic in those interviews. And you realize after a while, like, that man's not saying a thing. <laughs> he, he, he always begins by, like, complimenting the interviewer in some way. Um, I remember I was listening to, like, the Bill Simmons podcast, and he just, like, starts by telling Bill Simmons that he looks like Peter O'Toole. But <laughs> not. not even close. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, from there, like, Goldblum just keeps talking about Bill Simmons' eyes. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's incredible. Oh, my God. Um, I mean, we haven't still found what I know the fly was your introduction, I believe, to Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, originally. I yeah, I like I didn't even see the whole thing. I saw like maybe 15, 20 minutes of it and then just had nightmares. For like <laughs> yeah. <a month> or two. <laughs> but what's officially now that I mean, I, I would have to say you're probably one of the few people who have seen every single Jeff Goldblum <laughs> movie now. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite Jeff Goldblum movie and why? It's a good question. And it gets tricky because I think that oftentimes Goldblum's best performances are in smaller parts of bigger movies. Uh, Thor Ragnarok's a perfect example. Like he's great in that movie, but it certainly wouldn't be my favorite Goldblum movie. Um, you know, I, it sounds so basic, but he's Jurassic Park is just such a classic for a reason. It's hard to beat. Uh, yeah. It's hard to beat. And he really hones in on that kind of archetypical, like, cool scientist character that he'll play uh, over and over again. <laughs> um, he's fantastic in deep cover. I don't know if you've seen that one. That, that's a great I have movie. it in my queue right now, along with uh, Powder, Adam Resurrected. I have this lo- <laughs> I have a ways to go. I'm still struggling to find Nashville that I can actually watch without paying like for a subscription to like some media company or something. It sounds like it sounds like we need to go down the eBay two dollar DVD road. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting <laughs> there. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, Deep Cover is a really really good one. It's uh, it's so out of character for him. I think one thing that we often forget with Goldblum is he's actually a pretty good actor when he tries acting. Right. Which is uh, that sounds like I'm you know kind of insulting his general acting, but he, I think he plays himself, and that's what people want. But every once in a while, there'll be a movie like Adam Resurrected or Deep Cover where he really dives in and does the whole character acting thing. And you realize that he's got incredible range that uh, maybe we don't see as much, certainly anymore, because I think now he's cast sort of be Yeah, the marketing side of Jeff Goldblum has kind of taken over his role now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what's what's next for you? Is there a, are we getting a walk-in book after this? What's, yeah. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. I should start taking notes. Um, I am working on a proposal that I'm not allowed to talk about, I guess, but Ooh. it will be a very similar uh, type thing. Awesome. Say, with maybe a, another contemporary of Mr. Goldblum's, because I'm just going to write about old white actors. That's the <laughs> I like it. That's going to be, that's gonna be your legacy, <laughs> old, old white actors. <laughs> uh, Fashion-wise, I, did, I, did I read you were part of style as well in writing for a little while? 
I work for the style section, but that's like a newspaper way of saying features. Got it. So all sorts of different things. I don't actually things. write about fashion. I was going to say, like, did, did Goldblum's fashion uh, have any effect in you over a year and some out of writing this book? Did you start uh, changing wardrobe or dieting well, differently? <laughs> it taught me that, like, I will never afford any of the clothes. <laughs> he wears, like, $1,000 Prada shirts. Which that, are horribly ugly for the most part. Yeah, they're, they're hideous. And I don't know how they work on him. I just imagine myself wearing it, and then I just cry. <laughs> no one wants that. Uh, so I, I became appreciative of, of high fashion and uh, learned that it's not probably my forte. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I mean, maybe this book's going to do really well. <laughs> you can start. <laughs> and I can buy some Prada shirts. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> My first purchase, the shirt that Pusha T and Jeff Goldblum both wear. <laughs> when you brought up in the book, too, that uh, people, since they can't seem to find the adjectives for Bo- Goldblum, oftentimes, and we saw in multiple interviews in the book, they call him Goldbloomy or this Goldbloomism or he's yeah. Goldbloomish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, did you ever, in writing, find a better adjective than Goldbloom? To <laughs> I think I think Goldbloom esque was the, my favorite. Uh, Goldbloom esque. No, I think you know the reason people use those words is because he's so one of a kind. I mean, he's unique, which is a, a boring word that doesn't really explain him. But he's so of himself that it's like being self-referential seems to be the only way to actually capture him like i don't think any word if anyone knows of jeff goldblum then goldblumy is easily the most direct adjective to explain mannerism <laughs> uh-huh. or something right like um which is super circular and you end up using the word goldblum like way too many times right <laughs> jeff goldblum is being very goldblumy and <laughs> Well, it's like that sentence. What's that sentence? It's like buffalo, 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 and that's like an actual English sentence because of all the different meanings of buffalo. <laughs> just so like, many different ways. <laughs> <laughs> it's like how the book is just like Goldblum, Goldblumy, Goldblumesque. It's good. I must say, uh, it was super entertaining. I devoured this book in about. Uh, I I was at work reading it too in between things as I was loading tra- I work at a tourist railroad I'm an operations manager so I'm, I'm the boss of this tourist railroad and I'm like had the book in my hands as I'm walking around loading trains and things like <laughs> finishing up reading it all to, to get ready for this because I wanted to read and digest but I think I mean in easily in two nights I was up late both nights just to, I mean it was a delight to read I learned a lot uh, I'm excited yeah. for the rest of the world to get an opportunity now <laughs> Uh, I'm actually excited for your other works now, too, because it's, I mean, I love your voice as a writer. It was super unique. It was super conversational. It was fun. Austin was very worried in this interview coming into it because, you know, you're a book writer. You're an author now. It's truly. You're a big shot now. You you wrote the book on (laughs) Jeff Goldblum. Uh, But I told him, like, after reading this book, I feel like this guy is someone you sit and have a beer with. And talk about Thank Jeff Goldblum. I, <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed. I definitely enjoy doing those things. No, I, I wanted to. I feel like so many biographies are just kind of dry. Um, and if you're reading about someone like Goldblum, I feel like you want it to feel like Goldblum. It's fun, quirky, kind of funny. And yeah, that was my goal: is just to make it conversational and entertaining. Because you know, I, I don't think people care which street Goldblum grew up. You know, no. they, they want to hear about the aroused baboons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is very true. All over the years. Yeah, definitely more more his repertoire of what's gotten him where he is now. Yeah. Well, we are definitely cut from the same cloth too. If we ever find a way and manage to get Jeff Goldblum, uh, we'll bring you into the fold, and I hope you'll do the same. Yes. For us. Absolutely, no, that's a deal, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, it's it's seemingly so. We tried so hard, so. Wait, hard. Are you guys in LA? We we're in Santa in the Santa Cruz Mountains outside of okay. LA, so we'll have to travel outside to go like six uh, six hours yeah, or so, six yeah. and a half hours. Yeah, so we'll have to fly in once everything clears up in the world. But we are planning on going to see him uh, play at the little nightclub that he plays okay. at all the time. Several of our friends have had the opportunity who do live out in LA, so it's it's a plan. I'm trying to figure out if we should can. I mean, I know we can if we should 
you know, put recording devices in our pockets and try to try to get in. You got to bring a mic. Yeah, we just get. I mean, we're a podcast. That's like our thing. (laughs) So we're going to get in a lot of trouble in the next year, I'm sure, trying to find ways to get. (laughs) We've we've lost uh, four or five different Instagram accounts that have been disabled by different parts of his management team. (laughs) Trying to they obviously don't. We're clearly not Jeff Goldblum, and we're not trying to be Jeff Goldblum. We're just trying to get his attention. But in doing so, yeah, we've had a. Facebook has told us we're fine. Instagram, who's owned by Facebook, has told us to go f ourselves, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Using I wonder if that's because he uses Instagram and he doesn't use the other one. Yeah, it's yeah, it. it's entirely possible. And we have tried to contact him directly through Instagram too, to no avail. You know. <laughs> but, <laughs> I bet his DMs are pretty full. Uh, I'm, sure. <laughs> I'm sure we've had a few people mistake us for Jeff Goldblum just because of this podcast. They think he's actually featured on the podcast and we get some pretty <laughs> dirty stuff uh, sent to us here and there. A lot of daddy stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, yeah. I, I ran into a good bit of that. <laughs> no, I love that you guys, you, you, you claim the, the long con is to get him on the podcast, but I feel like the long con is to getting sued by him. Like that's yeah. I mean, we 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 agreed a long time ago that you know that's probably the sooner likelihood. But if he's not going to sue us, then eventually he's got to at least recognize us, right? We're going to try the Conan route. I mean, you brought up Conan in the book too and their weird relationship. But I'm like, you know, if we try hard enough and get ourselves in the news, maybe Conan will help. <laughs> Or Jimmy Fallon. We screwed up Seth Green and Seth Meyers, so we did this whole correction to sad piano music about, uh, you know. I heard that. Yeah, so <laughs> so we'll work with Seth, too. <laughs> Definitely. We've, we've spent a lot less time on Jeff Goldblum himself as just uh, pumping out episodes to uh, get any attention out there possible. And we have a, we have a growing uh, group of people that are sending us all sorts of weird things. We just started sending out pins uh, we made two-inch Jeff Goldblum pins that that we we're selling for ten dollars, and we made almost a hundred dollars. We've only sold three pins. People are just giving us money uh, <laughs> in in hopes that our goal, that our dreams come true, which has been it's been a hilarious little journey here. The cult of Goldblum is strong, man. It is no, very it's, strong. It's, I had no idea. People love this guy. Like, it, I, I was so surprised by every time I would mention I was working this book, like, I swear, every single person just like, I love Jeff Goldblum. And then you'd be like, cool, what movies was he in? They'd be like, I don't really know. (laughs) And it's true. And they're not totally wrong because so many movies that he's in is not something that I would think of him like being in. He's, he oftentimes plays this, you know, third wheel kind of background character that just makes the movie better in some way, but isn't like, he's, he's very, very uh he's not very much of a lead man in almost any other than the fly in which he terrifies all of the united states and <laughs> <laughs> no i think uh film critic adam Naiman i talked to for the book he put it really well really goldblum's just like a spice that you throw it into a movie and it just makes the movie so much better but like oftentimes when he's tried to do a leading role it's like too much it's like overpowering work for the fly You'll see when you watch Adam Resurrected, like it works in part, but it's almost just too much. Like you want, you want Goldblum to leave you wanting more. I think that's what he's so good at uh-huh. is he shows up and you're like, I want more of that guy. But then you get more and you're like, eh, maybe this is, this is tough. <laughs> maybe we should have <laughs> thrown a few other spices in there to kind of balance them out a little bit. <laughs> this is just like a spoonful of cayenne pepper here. Yeah, he is. I mean, he is, he's a heavy character. Like that guy, it's, he's a hard persona to match and <laughs> you put him into something you better be ready because <laughs> i want the movie that is just him and walking like oh my god oh, amazing. <laughs> and then walking. bill murray does the once in a while cameo effect <laughs> <laughs> just really get the trio of like the strangest people in hollywood oh speaking of christopher walken we we there was a uh, he's in a movie and he's uh, Are you talking about the Irish movie? Yeah, he's oh and he narrates a bunch of this movie, and he's in the movie, and he's doing an Irish accent, but he's with his he's Christopher Walken, so it is hilarious. Oh, what is this movie? If if you listen to our very short, I think it's like a twenty seven minute little St. Paddy's Day. Everyone got mad at us because we weren't doing something for St. Paddy's Day because our episodes come out on Wednesdays, and St. Paddy's mm-hmm. Day didn't fall qu- quite right. Uh, but we found this Walken movie. Uh, something time uh mountain time but time the spice or something 
Yeah, he'll find it. But anyway, Christopher Walken tries to do... We only found out about this because our friend was watching this movie not knowing Christopher Walken was in it. And her roommate, like, while I'm on the phone with her in the background, is like, that sounds like Christopher Walken is trying to be a leprechaun, and I fucking hate it. And then, sure enough, it is Christopher Walken attempting an Irish accent, and he sounds like Christopher Walken's attempting an Irish accent. Oh and it's uh, Wild Mountain Time, that and it's spelled like the spice. Wild Mountain oh. Time. <laughs> If you are working, watch this immediately. Yeah, uh, it's. I mean, as it's at least its own little feature right in and of itself. And then look on Twitter for Wild Mountain Time to see how Ireland reacts to uh, Christopher Walken attempting to speak, because it the mean things they write are. It could be a book in and of itself. It's beautiful. <laughs> the movie's gotten some horrific reviews. <laughs> Emily Blunt and uh, Dorn, Jamie Dornan are in it. Yep. Right. Yeah. English and Irish, I believe. When did this come out? Uh, recently, two, 2020, 2020, I think. New. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, December okay. 9th, 2020. There yeah. you go. Okay. Yeah, so. In the midst of the pandemic, we yeah. got the worst Christopher Walken <laughs> movie anyone <laughs> never wanted. <laughs> I don't know, though. Like, when we listened to that excerpt, uh, I think it was just the trailer, right? We, what, listened we listened to him trailer? narrate the trailer. Yeah. yeah. And, oh, my. Like, it at first, you were kind of like, oh, <laughs> like, e. But it really grows on you fast. <laughs> Christopher Walken doing an Irish accent. He's just he's, trying so hard. And it's, like, clearly, like, old dog, new trick situation. Like, he's not going to get this accent. It's not going to happen. <laughs> but they want that big-name actor in it still. So, they're like, F- fuck it. <laughs> He'll get away with it. He's Christopher Walken. <laughs> i wonder what it like what were they thinking like you know what who would be good for this christopher walken i think he would be the guy because it's kind of it's a supposedly supposed to be a love story supposedly supposedly yeah. so we'll see maybe they knew that the movie wasn't going to work and they were just like well if we throw christopher walken with an irish accent then you know people watch it yeah it's a big thing. i yeah. mean Jeff yeah yeah I mean, it's that is kind of the way to do things too. Sometimes, you know, it's like any news is good news at a certain point. Yeah, just, if there's a cult following have, them, you can have Christopher Walken on then and make him do accents on your show. That's how you can get Goldblum. I think, yeah, I think yeah. we got to start working the the weird celebrity angle and just try to rock it in. Yeah, we kind of got to get his his little click. See who's around him a lot. <laughs> See if we can work our way around the circle and into the middle. We got his. <laughs> we got his uh, fashion uh, designer guy too. There's a lot of weird ends we can start trying to work here. And I mean, Bigley Junior is like his best friend, I think. So yep. Like... <laughs> well, and now we have you as a contact too. So, <laughs> thank you for joining us. Um, your book, because he's Jeff Goldblum, by Travis M. Andrews, comes out May fourth. Where can we find it? Everywhere. 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 So you know, support your indie bookstores. Yeah, books, nice. bookstore.org or whatever it is now, too. I just bought books from our friend mm-hmm. who owns a bookstore. But uh, thank you, Travis. The book is incredibly funny. It's uh, I'm going to cherish it. We might send it back to you for an autograph at some point as yeah. you start to, you know. I love, you're, you're I love what you did star. for the cover and stuff. It looks great. It's yeah, a great looking book. Yeah, shout out to Lee Cox, who is the illustrator, who yeah. illustrated the cover. It looks and, great. Uh, there's like 10 or 11 illustrations throughout the book. And they're just fantastic. I mean, just the, I mean, the addition of the dinosaur tie really really got me. (laughs) That's one thing I've started doing too. After I get out of the shower, which I learned from your book, I I go up to the mirror and just write in the mirror, please God, bring Jeff Goldblum onto the podcast. (laughs) Work for him, so work for you, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you guys so much for having me. This oh, been a thank blast. you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, if we ever need to uh, pick your brain about some deep Jeff Goldblum knowledge, we may have to contact you yeah. again. We'll be back. You know where to find me. Yeah, our, find our me. Jeff Goldblum <laughs> consultant. And, and the haikus are coming your way. Uh, I've got two or three so far, and there's more. You know, we'll turn nice. them out. <laughs> I can't wait. Have a good one, Travis. Travis great to meet you. So you. Thanks for coming on. Well, because he's you. Jeff Goldblum, comes out May fourth. Travis M. Andrews. Thanks, guys. Good afternoon, I think, where you're Can't at. Can't wait for the walk in book. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this has been featuring Jeff Goldblum. Big thanks to our guest. What a guy. Travis M. Andrews, his new book, Because He's Jeff Goldblum The Movies, Memes, and Meaning of Hollywood's Most Enigmatic Actor, comes out everywhere May 4th. And I mean everywhere. Yeah. Get a copy. Very funny, man. Very funny book. Uh, Very excited to have him as a guest on board. Uh, Thanks to all you listeners out there. Remember, we do have Jeff Goldblum pins available. Two inches. 
two inches. Go support your local bookstore. Go support our new friend. Yeah. Support Travis and Andrews. Use bookshop.org. Go down to Santa Cruz Bookshop if you're local. Go find local ways to support the local community. Thank you so much. Have a lovely evening, folks. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much, really. Oh, of course. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Oh, of course. And good luck uh, next week, right? Your book is launched. So that's that's huge. Are you doing, uh, are you like doing a little tour or anything with it or? So I'm doing like some digital events and then the day of, they had me booked for like 27 radio interviews. In a row. Oh my God. Oh my like, goodness. I think the most I've done in a day from working at the post, like sometimes after the Oscars or something, I'll have to do a bunch. I think I've done like four or five. So 27, 27. I don't know. I, like I need the throat lozenges that Goldblum loves. So right. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I mean, how 27 radio, there's, there's gotta be like 15, 20 minutes maybe. I, I think they range all over the place. Yeah. Um, but I think like 10, 15 minutes. Okay. Before. Still. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we got you in first then too. So we get you fresh before you're yeah. beaten yeah. down by 27. I only have 30 minutes till I got to do my next one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be like telling the same story just over and over. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of baboon erections in those 27 <laughs> interviews. Oh, there's, there's the grind you got to go through and things like this. Yeah. yeah <laughs> a lot of sure. baboon erections. <laughs>